0: everybody, you are listening to Chill Chats Podcast. I'm your host Kaylee, and my cat Binks is joining from the window today. I actually passed 100 listens this week, which was so exciting, and I just can't thank you all enough. If you've been liking my episodes, please share it with a friend, and as always, I hope you're having a great week. So jumping right into it, I'm going to talk about my highs and my lows first. It's kind of weird because my high and my low are the same and they are fireworks. My low is that since Thursday, since last Thursday, there have been fireworks going off in my neighborhood nonstop. And I don't have a problem with fireworks. I like fireworks. Obviously, that's one of my highs, and I really do like fireworks, and I don't mind when people have their own fireworks going off. But what I do mind is when they are going off from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m., and this happened the night before the 4th of July, which was Sunday, July 3rd, there were fireworks going off from 8 p.m. to 5 in the morning. And it wasn't just like one or two fireworks, it was multiple. And they were nonstop, which led me to using earplugs on July 4th, but actually July 4th wasn't that bad. I feel like people were much calmer that night. Yes, there were still fireworks going off, maybe the earplugs drowned out the noise, but I feel like there were less. Either way, this led me to not sleeping for about four or five days, which was just exhausting. And again, I'm all for fireworks. I'm not trying to sound like a Karen. I'm not, you know, filing a noise complaint or anything, but they were right outside of my window and they were just nonstop. So I would definitely say my low was the lack of sleep that I received due to the holiday. That being said though, my high was also fireworks. We went to the Macy's fireworks in New York City and it was so cool being able to see them. I don't think it's the best firework show i've ever seen not i hope like i'm not offending anybody by saying that but i definitely feel like i've seen more intense or cooler fireworks shows but it was really beautiful and just seeing it across the river was so nice and it was a beautiful night which always helps and i also have kind of a second high which is on that night this guy approached us because i was wearing a fender guitar shirt and he asked if we liked concerts and i responded "Yeah." Like I like concerts and he actually invited us to a show that he was putting on the next day. So this would have been July 5th and we ended up going, which I know some people will be like, why would you go to anything that a stranger invites you to? But that's New York City. (laughs) But we ended up going to the concert and there was three artists that performed. They were all incredible and we met some really amazing people. So I'm really glad that we got to do that. It was definitely a nice little break from our regular routine and I love live music especially in the summertime so yeah it was actually a pretty good week minus the lack of sleep I would say I don't have many complaints so before I get into today's topic I need to apologize for last week's episode. Specifically, I need to apologize for something that I neglected to mention. If you listened to last week's episode, you know that I asked that if you were on Spotify that you could go onto the episode that I posted. So the Let's Chat episode, if you go and click on it, there was a poll there, a Q&A actually, where I asked you what your favorite form of potato was. And I had quite a few people say salt potatoes and the embarrassment that i felt when i saw this was a lot so i just want to firstly apologize to everybody from syracuse because not once did salt potatoes ever cross my mind as a native of syracuse i am really ashamed by this that i just forgot salt potatoes because hundred percent those are my favorite potato But for some reason, I always forget about them because they don't exist anywhere else, which if you're listening and you're like, what are you talking about? A salt potato is pretty much a potato that you boil in water and salt. And when you take it out, it's like super soft and delicious and you just put a bunch of butter on it. It's probably one of the most unhealthy forms of potato, but it is by far the best. And I can't believe I forgot it. When I saw people write in that those were their favorite potatoes, I actually was just so embarrassed that I didn't even ever have salt potatoes cross my mind. But what's funny is when I saw these comments, it made me laugh because salt potatoes is something that I have forgotten about quite a lot over the last few years. I went to school in Virginia for the last four years and I would come home to Syracuse and occasionally I would have salt potatoes, but it's a big summer dish. And so when I was in school, I would kind of forget about salt potatoes because it wasn't something that I was eating. So anyways, if you're not from Syracuse, there's a place called Dinosaur Barbecue, which is a really delicious restaurant. And somehow my boyfriend and I moved near one of the locations in New York City. And our first night living in the city, we decided to go there because it was kind of a mix of our two homes. Obviously, Dinosaur Barbecue is from my home, Syracuse. But barbecue is something that my boyfriend super enjoys from growing up down south. So we felt like it was kind of the best welcoming restaurant to go to because it was kind of a taste of home and we were feeling a little bit homesick at this time. And what was funny is that when I looked at the menu, there were Syracuse salt potatoes on there and that's how it was listed. And as somebody who grew up in Syracuse, I've only ever heard them referred to as salt potatoes. So it was so weird to me seeing them listed as Syracuse salt potatoes on this menu, because if you're in Syracuse, they're just salt potatoes. All of this to say, though, I'm so sorry to anybody from Syracuse that I forgot salt potatoes, and I would like to rescind what I said last week, and I would like to say that salt potatoes are also my favorite. Again, if you've never had them, just boil some water with salt, plop your potatoes in there. Douse them in butter, look up a recipe online. I promise you, it might sound really unhealthy and horrible, but it's so good and you will not regret it. So, now that I've gotten that off my chest, let's get into what today is all about. To be honest, this past week, while it was a good week, was met with holiday stress, a lot of exhaustion, and some health issues. So, when I was trying to think of an episode for today, I was kind of struggling at first. I'm also in the beginning stages of moving. If you've been following along, then you know that my boyfriend and I have to move at the end of this month, and the fact that it is now July, it's July 7th when this comes out, which is mind-blowing, will be a week into the month, meaning I only have about three weeks left, has been causing me a lot of stress. Mainly because I really like the idea of moving, but the actual act of it is miserable. I'm not sure if anybody else can relate to this. I like the thought of moving. I love packing. Like, I'm somebody that when I'm preparing for a trip, the planning stages of things is really fun for me. I know this is not the case for everybody, but for me, I love planning. However, once I actually start doing it, it is miserable. Primarily because I'm super type A, I am an over planner. So I kind of get in my head when I'm doing stuff and I get really worried and anxious about like how things are going, how fast we're getting through things, are things being packed correctly, did we pack everything in the order I wanted it to be packed, which makes the process kind of challenging because I slow myself down because I'm so worried about the next step that I stop focusing on what I should just be doing. And part of this struggle is genuinely just starting. Like I said, I'm a big planner. I love planning. But then, once I look at the list of things that I need to do and actually start something, I can't do it. It takes me forever. I run into a roadblock and it's just something that I can't tackle. More importantly, I really struggle with letting go. And that's what today's episode is all about. I'm gonna be focusing a little bit on letting go of material items since that's the struggle I'm having right now. But also, this is not a new issue for me. For the last year, I have been having a really hard time letting go of various different things, including people, places, memories, etc. And so I really wanted to devote this episode today to letting go because I think everybody at some point in their life or even right now has something that they need to let go of, but can't for whatever reason. So a little bit of background about me is that I've always struggled with letting go of things. I consider myself to be a very sentimental person. So much so that I feel as though I tie everything that I own to a memory, a person, or a place. I mean, I'm looking at my desk right now, and I can point out a pen that I know that I got somewhere from my college campus. Like, I vividly remember just picking it up one day, and that pen became mine. And maybe it's a little dramatic to think that everything I own has some sort of memory or significance to me, but it's kind of true. I would say of all of the things that I own, 95% I have attached to a person, a place, a memory, you name it, it has a meaning to me. And because of that, I really struggle at letting go of things. And I've always been this way. For as long as I can remember, this is something I have struggled with. I mean, I can vividly remember one time that I was in Maine and my dad had found a seashell. He had held it up and showed it to us, and it looked like a really nice seashell, and I got excited, so then I tripped on the rock and fell. And my dad, being my dad, ended up dropping the shell to come to me, which I'm so appreciative for, but in the moment, all I was upset about was the fact that he dropped a really nice seashell. And why I got upset about it, who knows? I loved seashells and rocks as a kid, so it made sense to me, and so that was something that I just hide my emotions to and I don't want listeners to think that I'm a hoarder I'm not like I can get rid of trash and I can get rid of broken things if something like an appliance or something were to break or if clothes were to get a hole in them and it wasn't something that could be easily fixed I could get rid of it like I'm not keeping everything however I do hold on to a lot because of the memories that are tied to the object So that's kind of part one of the problem. The other part of the problem is that I also don't want to replace things. Moving is a pain and I feel as though less is more. The less that you can move with, the happier you'll be, the easier the move will be and the easier moving into a new place will be. However, I don't really want to spend a lot of time replacing all of my furniture or all of my decor or all of my wardrobe every time I move. And so that's my second problem, is that I have a lot of things in my apartment, such as like cubbies or bins or storage type-esque things that I hold on to because in my mind, it's more of a hassle to replace those items than it is to just let go of them. So there is this kind of two-folded situation right now for me. There's the stuff that's sentimental that I can't get rid of because it holds meaning to me. And then there's the stuff I don't want to get rid of because I just don't want to replace it. And so this leads me to a block when it comes time to start packing because I don't get rid of things that I should or that I don't really need to hold on to either because of the sentimental value or because I don't want to buy a new object to replace it. And I have tried various different methods to get over this. If you're not familiar with Marie Kondo, she wrote a book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, and her method is essentially that if something doesn't spark joy, you should get rid of it. So her whole concept is that you categorize things. Rather than going room by room, you take everything of the same category and go through it all at once. For instance, you would take every piece of clothing that you own, put it into a pile, and see that pile, and then go through it one object at a time, hold it in front of you, ask yourself, does this item spark joy? And if it doesn't, then you get rid of it. You thank the item first, and then you donate it, throw it away, whatever it may be. But essentially, you don't hold on to things that don't spark joy for you. However, while I've tried this method before, it doesn't really work for me because I am not very good at the category aspect of it. I'm all for the does this item spark joy. There are a lot of things that I hold on to because of the sentimental value, but just because it's sentimental doesn't mean that it's a good memory or it's a good person that it's tied to or that it's a good time in my life that I want to keep it. It's just kind of like I've kept it because I feel bad maybe for getting rid of it. So this is where her method stresses me out a bit because the thought of putting all of my clothes or all of my books or all of my decor and going through things one at a time, that's just not how I work. When I'm moving, I move by room. So for instance, right now I'm in my office. And my thought process is that when it comes time to move, I'm going to take everything in my office and treat this as one space. Because in my next apartment, I would create an office and everything that's in here right now is going to end up in that new office space. I'm not gonna take my decor from my kitchen and put it in my office or vice versa. Not to say that decor is not interchangeable, it can be, but for me personally, I've kind of set up my spaces very rigidly, or at least to me in a way that makes the most sense, that I don't really want to go around collecting all of my decor and figuring out what I should keep or get rid of. Instead, I'd rather look at my office, look at the decor in my office, and decide, is this something I want to take into my new office space, or is this something that I'm okay letting go of? That's just how it works for me. And truth is, when I start going through things and asking if it sparks joy, I find that very few items spark joy. Yet, like I said, I hold on to it for the memory. Because in my mind, I have this fear that once the item is gone, the memory will be gone. But I can specifically think about a book that I was given in my second grade class that was signed by my teacher that is somewhere in my house back home. I couldn't tell you really much about the book other than it's about a snowman. And truthfully, I have not looked at this book in years, yet that's still there. I still have that memory and I still have the memories of that teacher. So the idea that items hold memories is not fully true. And I am aware of this, but it's sometimes hard to confront that item when you're first seeing it. But back to the whole sparking joy thing. I honestly feel as though if I were to go through my apartment, if I asked myself what sparks joy, I would probably keep a handful of items. I don't think there's many things in my life, material-wise, that spark joy for me. Obviously, like I mentioned, the memories, the people, the places themselves are what spark the joy, not the object I got from it. But I just still struggle to get rid of it because I'm holding on to that other thing it's attached to. So if you're listening and maybe this is something that you're struggling with, I definitely recommend checking out Marie Kondo's method. But something that works a little bit better for me is I ask myself some questions. Similar to does it spark joy, which I think is a very solid first question to ask yourself. Like, hold up an object and ask yourself, do I really care about this object? And if you don't, maybe then and there, you can just move past it. But my next few questions that I like to ask myself is, why do I have this item still? Do I need this item? And what is holding me back from getting rid of it? By asking yourself these questions, you start to uncover a little bit more about why you're holding on to that item. And quickly, you'll realize that more often than not, you don't really have answers for instance, this pen on my desk, I might ask myself, why do I have it? Well, I picked it up on campus. Do I need it? I mean, yeah, it's a pen and I definitely do need it. And is there something holding me back from getting rid of it? No, I could throw it away once the ink runs out, but right now there's ink in it. So I'm going to keep using it. And then in there you decide, okay, I'm going to keep this pen. However, maybe there's a book that somebody gave you 10 years ago and you ask yourself, why do I have this? Well, because so-and-so gave it to me. Do I need to keep it? Not really. Like, I've never read this book. I have no interest in reading it. Then what's holding me back? Well, the thing that's holding me back is that so-and-so gave me this book. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, well, why do I care so much? And at that point, it's important to then ask, well, what happens if I get rid of it? And more often than not, it's nothing. It's one thing if that book is there as a reminder of that person. Maybe that person's not in your life anymore. And every time you see that book, you think of them. I think it's totally okay to hold on to that item. But I would also then ask, do you happen to have a picture of that person or that place that you could replace the book with and maybe have the picture on your phone? Put it in an album that you call when I'm sad or when I want to remember people. I don't really know. But you try to find something to change what is drawing that memory into your mind. And I've mentioned memories a lot. And I've been kind of talking about it in the sense that I'm tying material objects to memories, but I also wanna say that this applies to so much more than material items. And in this past year, I have noticed this happening to me a lot. There have been a lot of things in my life that have changed very rapidly in the last year, and because of that, I'm having a hard time letting go and moving on. Specifically, college is one of the biggest things that I've had a hard time letting go of. I think this is in part because of COVID. I do feel like I lost some of my college experience to COVID and I want it back. I think like most people, COVID took away something and as normal people, we want that time back though we know that we will never get it back. But when I've reflected on it more, I don't think it's so much college that I miss. I think it's being around my friends at any time of the day. I think it's the sense of community that I have just being on a campus. And I think it's also the fact that there are just so many opportunities that are accessible on college campuses that when you get into the real world, it's not like that. Something in particular that I've had a hard time letting go of is track. I've done track for 10 years, which is basically a long-term relationship. And any sane person will tell you that if you devote 10 years of your life to something or someone, you're going to feel some sort of emotion once you end that relationship. Maybe it's happiness. Maybe it's a job that made you miserable and now you finally got out of it and you got into a job that you're actually happy doing. Or maybe it was something that you loved and now that you're out of it, you realize you really miss it, but that, that thing doesn't need to be in your life anymore. Or you don't want it to be a part of your life anymore. And I definitely experienced this with track. As it was something that I devoted 10 years of my life to, it makes sense that once I ended, I missed it. But what's weird is that when I was doing the sport, I was so excited for it to be over. Which obviously is the age old saying, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And I'm aware, I know. But I think my bigger point to this is that I had a really hard time letting go. When I graduated college, I ended up getting mono, which basically put me on bed rest from most physical activities for like three months. But when I graduated, I had every intention on continuing with track. I was planning to work out over the summer, and when I moved to the city, I was really eager to join a running club. However, getting sick over the summer completely deterred that. I was not able to exercise. When I would go on walks or hikes, I would become super winded and It just didn't ever go well. I felt horrible afterwards. And then once we moved to the city, it took me so long to just get into a new routine that working out was the last thing I was worried about. Yet for the like six to eight months that we were living here, I still was really missing track. And every so often it would cross my mind. It would be something I wanted to get back into. And I would maybe do a workout or something to try to get back into it and I would get kind of sad about missing it, and then days would pass and I would be over it. And it wasn't actually until I went back to my college campus for alumni weekend that I got over this. Something clicked. Maybe it was being back with my team for a few days. Maybe it was just seeing that life again, that I realized and remembered what it was that made me want to get out of that sport in the final months that I was there. However, The reason that I missed track so much was because in my senior year, I started to see the results I wanted to see. I started seeing personal bests in my event, and I was on track to meet the times that I really wanted. Yet, that time was up, and there was no more options for me to try to improve. And I think I was holding on to that. I was holding on to the goals I had set forth for myself and didn't meet. And because I hadn't met them, I was refusing to let go of something. That honestly has no purpose in my life anymore. Not to say that I wouldn't maybe one day go back into track, but I am getting older. My body can't handle that kind of working out anymore. And competition is exhausting. My profession is also exhausting and trying to compete on the weekend and have a real job when I'm not trying to be a professional runner, it just doesn't make sense. And so I think this is something, again, for me, I'm talking about moving or track But this is something I've noticed in so many areas of my life. I have a hard time letting go of people, places, things, because I equate letting go to forgetting. But letting go is not forgetting. Letting go is making room for new opportunities, new objects, new memories, new people to enter into your life. It's not even that they're replacing those old things. It's just that you're finding something new. Something new that maybe will spark more joy, or something new that will serve you better in this new part of life that you are now in. At the end of the day, those memories will always be there. You will always have something, someone, some place to remind you of the things that you're having a hard time letting go of. But I also know that this is a lot easier said than done because I'm struggling myself. I have a really hard time letting go of things because of how much I put on the memory that it holds. And so again, I have to ask myself, why am I holding on to this thing? What is the absolute worst thing that would happen if I let go of it? Maybe it's forgetting the memory. But at the end of the day, if you forget the memory, is it really a memory that you hold on to that much? I don't know. That's up to you to decide. But what's the best thing that could happen? If it's an object, maybe it's, well, it's going to go into a home that actually needs it. But then the most important question to ask is what is the most realistic thing that will happen? And more often than not, it's that you're just going to keep living. Again, the memories will always be there. Maybe you won't have the daily reminder because you don't have the object anymore or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, something will always trigger a memory. So if there was a favorite place that you went to with somebody you're no longer friends with, whenever you see that place, you're going to be reminded of them. Because at the end of the day, that's what you equated that place to. You don't then need the book that they gave you on your shelf to remember them. Also, if they were just an important person in your life, there are so many other more important ways to remember them than just through an object that they gave you. And I also do just want to take a moment and say that I do not think it's a bad thing to want to hold on to something or to choose to hold on to something. It's just important to ask yourself why. For myself, there's a lot of things that I don't have a reason that I'm holding on to it. But there's a lot of other things that maybe I know I shouldn't keep because it's clutter or it's something that I'll never use again. But the memory is so important to me or the moment that I got that is so significant to me that I want to hold on to it. And that's okay. I just suggest making like a keepsake box. I mean, actually, this is one of my favorite things to do is to have a little box or a bin of your memories. And if you start to realize, okay, this bin is getting full something that you can do is go through the bin. And you'll realize that as you're going through it, there will be things that no longer hold sentimental value to you anymore. And you'll be able to get rid of them and make new room for those new memories and those new things that you wanna hold on to. And this is something that I really have to do while I'm moving. I really need to ask myself, why did I bring this into this place in the first time? Is this something that I want to keep carrying? And is this thing still serving me? If I can't really answer yes to any of those questions, or if I can't give myself a valid reason, take a photo of it and get rid of it. I know it sounds harsh, but especially in today's day and age, we take photos of everything. So if you got something at an event, odds are you also took photos at that event, and I can assure you the photos will always hold more sentimental value than the actual object. But again, this can be applied to anything. You can ask yourself, do I really want to bring X into new chapter? Maybe that's a person. Maybe it's, again, an object. It can be anything. And I'm not saying you should just be dropping people. (laughs) That's not my point. But maybe there's somebody that's in your life that you feel as though you need to stay connected to, but for whatever reason, they don't really need to be in this new chapter with you. For me, I actually do find people the hardest to let go of. And I'm not talking about the people that are currently in your life. I'm talking about people that have been in your life or that were in your life and no longer are. So specifically, I'm thinking about friends that I had maybe in my younger childhood or teenage years or even in college that I'm no longer close to. I have a really hard time letting go of those people. And by letting go, I don't mean forgetting about them or anything like that. I just mean accepting the fact that they're no longer in my life. This is something that's really hard for me because, again, I tie everything and everyone to something. I think about these people and I'm like, well, they were my best friend in kindergarten. We had so many good memories together, but they're not my friend now. And there's no reason for me to still want that friendship because odds are our friendship would not look the same nowadays. I also think it's important to ask yourself why they're no longer in your life to begin with. Oftentimes, we remove people from our life because of a fight, because they weren't a good fit, or because they just weren't serving us anymore. And that's okay. And I first-handedly will say that this is, again, one of the hardest things to let go of. People just hold so much value in our lives, and everybody is in your life for a different reason. And I sometimes have a really hard time accepting that people are no longer in my life. But that's why I suggest not saying to yourself, what did I do? Or why are they no longer in my life? And instead say, what did they do for me when they were in my life? And what am I doing now? And really, what purpose would they serve me to come back into my life now? As well as you have to reflect on why they exited your life and why you both separated in the first place. You know, this can go for obviously a partner or a friend or a family member, but it is always important to also reflect on why did it not work out the first time? Overall, I think as soon as you start thinking about people's purpose in the time that they were in your life, and then think about where you are now and why those purposes wouldn't necessarily align or why that person would no longer be needed in this new part of life, you can start to just accept the fact that not everybody is meant to be in your life forever. And yes, it's hard. And yes, it's hard to move on. But eventually you have to just understand that They were in your life at that point in time for a specific reason, and there's a reason that they're not in your life anymore. And again, that's just questions that you have to ask yourself of, well, what are those reasons? So when thinking about all of this together, I feel like there's about four questions that really work best for me. The first question, like I said, is does this thing or person or place spark joy? The second is, is this thing, person or place still serving me? And then the final few questions that actually kind of go together is again, that what is the best thing that would happen? What's the worst thing that would happen? And what is the most realistic outcome of me letting go of this thing? And finally, just give yourself time to reflect on those responses. Give yourself time to reflect on the memories, to appreciate those memories, but also understand that there's not necessarily a reason you have to hold on to the object or to hold on to the person. Because at the end of the day, the memories will always be there, but the thing that it's tied to doesn't need to be. Once you do this reflection, you'll be able to better see whether or not you need to hold on to this thing still. And if you realize that you don't, thank it and let it go. All of this to say though, letting go is not easy. Again, whether it be an object, a person, a place, it doesn't matter what it is. Most people are very sentimental and most people will tie various things to a specific person, place, or thing. But at the end of the day, it's really important that you just sit down and ask yourself, why am I still holding on to this? And is this something that I really want to bring into this next chapter of my life? And once you can answer those questions, I promise you that letting go will not become easier, but it will become more manageable. So that is my episode for today. And I hope that it resonated with some of you. I think everybody has something that they need to let go of. Maybe it's a text message. Maybe it's a piece of junk mail that you feel like you need to hold on to for some reason. I mean, those are really random examples. But whatever it may be, I think we all have things that we need to let go of. And oftentimes, it's really hard to actually let go. Obviously, there are things that are really easy to let go of. However, anything that now has some sentimental value will be hard to get rid of. That to say, though, I am very confident that all of you can let go with some time, practice, and patience. And another huge piece of advice that I have is if you're struggling to let go of something, there is no shame in holding on to it a bit longer. Let go when you're ready. And trust me, you will know when you're ready because you will be able to look at that item and you won't feel that sentimental value anymore. Or it will be so diminished and you will feel better by the act of getting rid of it than you would by keeping it. So hopefully, if nothing else, I helped you learn a little bit more about how to let go of something so that the next time you do have to let go of something, you're able to. But I will definitely be using my tips, hopefully, while I am working on letting go of things in my apartment that I have accumulated over the last year that are honestly not serving me, that are collecting dust, and that I don't need to bring to my next apartment because I have the memories where I need them. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, head over to my Instagram at chillchatspodcast, give it a follow, and in the link in the bio, you can actually suggest a topic or a piece of advice that you would like me to talk about on a future episode. And with that, I hope that you all have an amazing rest of your week, that you're able to let go of something, and that you're able to reminisce on some things that spark joy. Talk to y'all next week.